Our scripture lesson today comes from the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. Let's share in God's good word together. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Who tells you who you are? What do you go to first thing in the morning? Is it coffee? Not enough sleep last night and got so much to do? Or maybe it's work emails that demand your attention first thing. Or maybe you wake up to the ping of a text from work. Or are your first formative moments of your day with God, who loves you and calls you beloved, friend, child, heir of his kingdom? Friends, we are finishing up our sermon series, Surviving the Pandemic, Ancient Practices for a New Normal. This is the last week, and I'm going to share two habits that might just save your life. Really? Well, let me put it differently, a little less dramatically. They are habits that can make your life worth living again. Let's get started. As a way of introduction, we become what we pay attention to and what we do habitually. Our thoughts become our actions, our actions become our habits, and our habits become our life. The way that the Christian faith has combated this natural human condition of just doing what we do without thinking about it and falling into bad habits, right? Because habits form your life, so make them good habits you can actually choose what you do with your life and where your life is headed. The Christian church for nearly 1,600 years has chosen something called a rule of life or a common rule. Now, a common rule has helped Christians live intentionally for the love of God and love of neighbor, the great commandments. Love God with all you are, right? Your heart, soul, mind, strength, all that you are, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so over the last three weeks, we've looked at a daily habit and a weekly habit. So as we get caught up, I want to show you where we've been so far. So our daily habits over the last number of weeks have been these. Week one, kneeling prayer, morning, noon, and night. Week two was eat one meal with others. Uh, We have a pandemic of sorts of just loneliness and isolation. Uh, People getting up alone, going to work, working alone, or eating at their desk, staying late, having their last meal alone. And then just the isolation and depression and workaholism uh, is tearing our culture apart. So, week one, kneeling prayer, morning, noon, and night. Week two, have a meal with someone else. The fellowship of the saints, it's a beautiful thing. And then last week, we said, hey, why don't you turn off your phone for one hour? You could turn it off at home when you get home, maybe 6.30 to 7.30, so you can be fully present with your family. Or maybe you turn it off at work, so you can do your very best God-honoring work, or maybe you turn it off for silence so you can actually have an hour with God. That's where we've been the last three weeks. This week, I want to invite you each day to go to your Bible before your phone. You know, in Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. That apostles' teaching piece is what we now have as our scriptures. The very first eyewitness accounts of Jesus. Scripture is the lifeblood of our faith. It is the lens through which we see everything else. 
And so one way of saying it is saying Bible before phone, uh, but maybe you do things on your computer before your phone. So maybe scripture before screen is a better way to go about it. However it is, Bible before phone or scripture before screen is a great way to start your day. But you might say, well, it's my phone that wakes me up or it's my phone that's, you know, the first thing calling for my attention. Well, there's actually a way to do something about that. Um, Chantel had a great idea and she actually got us a charging station at our front door. And so you can see our front door here. And then right there when somebody comes in, we say, hey, being hospitable people that we are, would you like us to charge your phone? It's right there. And so we can put one there, another one there, and then we can leave them there overnight. And so when we wake up in the morning, we're not seeing the demands of our phone. We can actually go to the Bible. We can go to a devotional book. We can spend time with one another. And what do you know? The phone has its place, but it's not ruling us. We get to choose what we do with our phone. I recommend that to you. Have a charging station right there by your front door. And you can go check it if you need to, um, but you won't be as tempted to have it on you and certainly want to keep it out of the bedroom. So again, you've got to ask the question, who is it that tells you who you are? The questions, who am I and who am I becoming, are answered not by what we say, but by our actions. And every morning in these most formative moments of your life, right when you wake up, you have a plethora of choices multiple, multiple choices of what you can do with your day and how you start your day. But I want to walk us through quickly four choices that we all have. Uh, Maybe you've done some of these yourself. So, number one, the habit of checking work emails first every morning yields not peace, not life, not joy, not even competence, but anxiety. If your inbox is like mine, it fills up quickly And there is more ministry to do when I look at my inbox of my emails than I can do in a lifetime, much less a single day. And so you can start your day checking your work emails. You sure can, but just know that you're answering first to your work or to your boss. And for most of us, that brings anxiety right at the very beginning of your day. And it affects everyone around us and our very soul. The second choice that we have is the habit of checking news. And as someone who used to work in the news business, this is very tempting to me. I want to know what's going on. Um, I often think of the quote that a good preacher has the newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other. I know it's a little dated. Uh, But here's the thing. You can really fall into a bad trap about that because the news is not written and produced and given to you for free. They do that to make money unless you're... NPR or BBC. There are very few news outlets that aren't doing it for profit, which means they know that they can hook you and hold you by giving you news that is sensational. News that creates anger or frustration or fear. So the habit of checking news first every morning yields anger and fear. Again, not the sort of things you want to start your day with. Um, If you want peace and joy and life, News is not the way to start your day. So, one, work emails. Two, news. If those two don't get you, the third often will, and that's social media. The habit of checking social media first every morning, what does that yield? Well, envy, if everybody's on vacation but you, especially at fall break, or vanity. Oh, hey, look what I got to do. Don't you wish you got to do that too? Well, 
Come on, people. Life is a lot bigger than that. Right? So here's the thing. I've been on social media. I've gotten off of social media. Then I had people say, hey, Mark, you're the pastor of a church. You need to be on social media. That's how you can reach people, particularly during COVID. When you're you know, in a pandemic, you need to be able to reach people online and to bless them and care for them and bring light to the darkness in those areas. I'm like, okay. But it's a tricky balance, isn't it? Because if I'm not careful, when I look at an Instagram feed or a Facebook post, I'm thinking, those kids aren't that well behaved. I know them. And wow, how'd that guy get that promotion? Have they met him? Have they interviewed him? Have they checked his references? Come on, how'd he get there? Social media friends can drive you crazy with envy. So, emails, news, social media, don't fall for it. How about checking in with God first? The habit of checking in with God first, scripture and prayer, yield life and peace. So, as I said earlier, my phone is checked at the front door, and in our little den, right next to my chair, I have Seeking God's Face, it's a devotional book, and I have my prayer journal. And so I don't have to make a big choice about whether I'm going to my phone or the Bible. The Bible is my only choice, because when I walk in the den, that greets me. And I check in with God, I say thank you to God, I write in the prayer journal, and I'm able to start my day Reminded that I'm a child of God, not just a slave to work or to others or to fear. I'm a child of God. That's what the Bible calls us, children of God. So Paul, in his letter to the church in Rome, an open letter of theology, really, to all of us, Paul writes this. He says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh, which is your own natural power and abilities, right, could not do. By sending his own son, Jesus, in the likeness of sinful flesh with its limitations and to deal with sin. He condemns sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That's what we want to do as the people of Acts 2. People empowered by the very spirit of God. For those who live according to the flesh, right, our natural power and abilities, the things we can do, you know, the, the degrees that you have, the smarts that you have, the strength that you have. People who do that, they set their minds on the things of the flesh, of this life. Well, of course you do, because it works for you. But those who live according to the Spirit, to the things of God, set their minds on the things of the Spirit, on the things of God. So we check in with God first. To set the mind on the flesh is death. Well, yes, every person you know is going to die. Every single one at some point. So if you live in your own natural power and abilities, that has an end time and you die. That's not news. But to set the mind on the spirit of God is life and peace in this life today, right now and the next. So heaven is something you can participate in right now. For if you live according to the flesh, right, to, to your own self, you know, to your resume, so to speak, you will die. Because we all do. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Life that really is worth living. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Yes, heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If in fact we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. We are to be about the things of God. We are to do the things that Jesus did. 
And, and you know, what are those things? Well, look at Matthew 25. You feed the hungry. Uh, you give water to those who are thirsty. You give clothes to those who don't have any. You give shelter to those who don't have any. The things of God. This is what Jesus says it's going to be like. So we want to be about God's business. But you can't do that if you're distracted by social media. So if you're going to be in the world but not of it, how do you do this? Well, here's some suggestions for social media. Number one, open your social media to post or respond only. Never when you're bored, not just scrolling. You're not doing that. If you need to post something, God says, hey, this would be uplifting for the community. Post that. Great. If somebody responds to you, they say happy birthday. Get on and say thank you. It was a great birthday. That's good. But not when you're bored. Number two, turn off notifications. Friends, you don't need to know every time somebody likes one of your posts. It's addicting and it's bad for your soul. Because if you get a whole bunch of likes on Tuesday and just a couple of likes on Wednesday, next thing you know, you're sad for no reason. Don't fall for that. Number three, don't use social media in bed. It's not good for your relationship. It's not good for your sleep. It's proven to be terrible in every way. And then, probably most importantly, uh, probably for those of us who, certainly for those of us who want to be a good witness, number four is this. Never fall for the temper tantrum. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Don't fall for the temper tantrum. If you go online and somebody says something negative about you or negative about somebody you care about, just shut it down. Let it go and just, just don't get back on. Just let it be. And, and just go right on by it and go on with your day. Uh, because there are always going to be people that try to bait you and goat you and try to get you to be silly online. Don't fall for it. If you start your day with Scripture, if you allow God's Word to come into your life, it will change everything. Many of you all know that my folks um, were in the ministry. And um, over the last number of weeks, um, we've been spending a lot of time with mom and dad. And one of the things that they've done is that they have shared with me some of uh, my dad's Bibles. And so I came across this Bible that they gave to me. And I just want you to know it's one of the most treasured possessions that I have now. Uh, My dad was in ministry for more than 40 years. Uh, I've been in for about 26. And I've often wondered, how did he do it? How did he stay in ministry for more than four decades? And the answer is God's Word. Uh, This little Bible actually is bent because he always carried it on him. Uh, This is actually so formed to his body and his body so formed to the word, um, that it still holds that shape uh, even now. And in the front of it uh, are prayers that he wrote down for members of this congregation while he was in his 70s. Um, and in the middle of it, um, he, he has notes. And one of the notes is this. He says, the world values are not in harmony with God's will and God's way. And that's really what we're talking about. He put it very succinctly. The world's values are not in harmony with God's will and God's way. And when it came time for dad to retire, um, he was happy to do it because he knew his value was as a child of God, not as a minister. It wasn't in what he did. He wasn't a slave to his work. And so when my mom uh, was also in retirement, she decided that she wanted to help and serve some members of our congregation who had gone on to live at Edmund Mansions. So in their 70s, my mom became the preacher uh, seen here. 
And she would lead them in singing and in preaching and in scripture and bless these folks um, every month. We would have a team go over and do that. And I, I was really moved as mom was sharing some of these photos with me this week that my dad was a part of the congregation. He would go there. He had no um, identity crisis. He had no ego involved. He, because he had been so formed by scripture and not what other people thought, not by social media, not by news, right? Not by any of these things. The scripture had reminded him of who he was in Christ. And he could sit there under my mom's teaching and preaching and bless her and support her and care for her and care for the people in the congregation. Some 10 plus years after he had retired because God had so shaped him by the word of God. It's a great blessing in my life. The other thing we've been talking about are weekly habits. These are daily habits. The weekly habits we've looked at are these. Number one, have a one-hour conversation with a friend. I've had a couple of those. It is life-giving. I recommend it to you. Limit media to four hours choosing wise content, justice, beauty, and community. Last week, we talked about fasting from something for 24 hours. I invited you to fast from criticism, saying nothing negative or criticizing anyone or anything for 24 hours. I've been trying it really every day. I wonder how it's going for you. Uh, Sometimes it's good, and other times I'm like, wow, I can be super critical. Still working on that one. I hope you'll work on it with me. And then today, one of the Ten Commandments, take a Sabbath really. It's for your good. God doesn't need you to take a Sabbath. You need a Sabbath. Sabbath means to stop, to cease, to desist. It is a weekly day of rest from work. It's not a vacation. It's not something that you get to quarterly. It's a rhythm of life where you work really hard for six days and then you stop and you trust God with the world that he created. If God can stop after six days and model that for us, You can stop after six days and trust God with that day and all your days. So the weekly habit of Sabbath reminds us that God is God and we are not. That's great news, friends. You don't have to run the world. God has it in his wonderful hands. About 1,600 years ago, Augustine said this, Thou hast formed us for thyself, and our hearts are restless till they find rest in thee. That's the book on us. We all need God. We're all restless. We all try to be in control. We all try to work things out. And finally, we do have the choice to simply stop and rest and submit our lives to God. It's the most beautiful thing you could ever do. Because, friends, when we don't rest, we get sick, injured, and have emotional and spiritual breakdowns. I remember in college, I wasn't really great at resting, and my mom would know. Right every time she's like, Mark, you're going you're to be sick by Thursday if you don't get some sleep. And you know what? Mama was right. And so, friends, if you're trying to cut down on your sleep, there are so many studies that you could go and Google this afternoon and just look at it and go, wow, I need eight hours of sleep. I just do. So I want to recommend it to you. Now, you might say, okay, well, if we're going to take a Sabbath, what does that look like really? Well, Abraham Heschel says it like this, and I think he's right. A man who works with his mind should Sabbath with his hands, and a man who works with his hands should Sabbath with his mind. He's absolutely right. So for me, Sabbath looks like working in the garden or peddling in the backyard 
Well, that's great because so much of my work is reading and writing um, and email. Well, if you're somebody who works with your hands all day, every day, well, you probably shouldn't be doing any gardening on your Sabbath day. Probably ought to be doing some physical rest. For me, going out and taking a walk on my Sabbath really helps me. If you're somebody who's out walking every day for a living uh, because, you know, you're a postal worker and you're walking your route, that's probably not going to be good rest for you. So uh, it's not important that you emulate what somebody else does. It is important that you do what is restful for you. So here's some suggestions for Sabbath. One, pick a day and communicate it to the people around you. Let me say that again. One, pick a day and communicate it to the people around you. Because a communal Sabbath has a lot more power than individual Sabbath. You can't always do it with people around you. People have different days off and different abilities. But you need to be able to say to other people, this is my Sabbath day, uh, so I'm going to rest. I want the church to know that staff Sabbath for Acts 2 United Methodist Church is Friday. Uh, The only person that has the exception to that is Brandon uh, because he's got to post uh, all the video stuff on Fridays. Uh, But pretty much the rest of us, um, we're down and and people are not um, contacting us. We're not in ministry because here's the trick about working at a church. If one of us is working, pretty much all of us are working, right? Because if you've got a question, then the question goes to an email and then it spins. So uh, by and large, um, the people here at your church Uh, We work really hard uh, Saturday through Thursday. Uh, But Friday, uh, for most of us, uh, Friday Sabbath. Number two, you don't make others do work that you're choosing not to do. The scripture says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And and God knew from the get-go that that was going to be difficult for some folks. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter. Oh, there it is. Oh, I'm not going to work, but I'm going to make my kids work because it still needs to get done. God says, no, I've got this. You're going to be okay. And it says, or your male or female slave, or your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. No, friends. You don't get to push work off on the migrants or the slaves or your kids or anybody else. We trust God. If God works six days and rest, we can work six days and rest. The scripture says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested. Say that with me. Rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. And this will help us remember number three, which is the world will go on without you. It really will. You can rest. You can. So our action steps for this week. Uh, there are two of them. Uh, and I hope you'll go ahead and fill this out, be able to answer this uh, with the people that you are sharing uh, this worship service with. On the Sabbath, I will. Here's some wonderful things to do on the Sabbath day. Read your Bible. Sing a song. Participate in worship. Take a walk. Uh, if that's restful to you. Um, you know, be in nature. Take a nap. Those are all good things to do on the Sabbath. On Sabbath, I will not. Answer email. Be stressed out. Push my work off on other people. Let God do God's thing and you do your thing and rest every seven days. And then the daily, I hope you'll do this. This week, I hope you'll read your Bible before checking your phone. I hope you'll make a plan on how to do that this week. And I hope you'll let me know how it's going. Be blessed, friends. You now have a common rule that you can live into. 
that brings life and joy and peace. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.